hosted on dimlywit.com. I'm Alex. And I'm Tina. And this is Obsessed with the Best. We're two New York City gals who are bringing you the best of the best of all things beauty, wellness, and inspirational women. We've tried it all and can't wait to tell you what's worth obsessing over. Join us each week as we share our favorite products and trends and chat with leading female founders and experts. Welcome to Obsessed Obsessed with with the Best with with Alex and Tina. Tina. So today we're so excited to be talking to Sydney Sadek. She is a born and raised New Yorker. She's the author of the book, Aim High, How to Style Your Life and Achieve Your Goals. She's also a fashion expert and a host who's been featured on the Today Show with Hoda and Jenna, Good Morning America, E! Daily Pop, and Inside Edition. And she serves as the editor-in-chief and publisher of Spotlight Magazine. Please welcome Sydney. Sydney, thank you so much for chatting with us. We're so pumped to have you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So did you grow up in Manhattan? Where did you grow up? I did. I grew up on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, kind of, you know, very similar to the Gossip Girl sort of episodes that you might have seen or your listeners might have seen. We wore the same sort of plaid skirts as the cast did. They were filming right outside of my high school and they were constantly coming up to us asking us like, are we doing this right? Are we kind of wearing the right look? Are we, you know, uh, filming in the right neighborhoods? And they kind of looked to us to kind of point to them as to whether or not they're doing the right thing. And so growing up there was very unique, but short version of the long story. Yes. I'm from the Upper East Side. What school did you go to? I went to Hewitt. Okay. Okay. And what was it like being a Manhattan kid? It's such a specific experience. Tina and I have both been here for a while, um, but I grew up in St. Louis. Tina grew up in Mm -hmm. Montana. So what was it like growing up in the city? I think the best way to describe it is just growing up in an area where you knew that there was so much opportunity. Like, you know, sometimes you get jaded as a kid, right? You're not totally shocked by seeing lots of celebrities walking around the streets of Madison Avenue. Um, And being around, you know, some of the best talents in fashion and food and culture, like they're just kind of there. But it really is an opportunity to really kind of create something for yourself at a young age. And I think that's what I always did. I definitely didn't envy, you know, my friends who went to summer camp over the summers at my girls' school. They always envisioned this idea of being a cheerleader or having a football game or a tailgate or all these sort of, you know, terms and ideas that I just like did not know Um, and so for me, I just never envisioned of those things. And I was very used to concrete being my backyard and not grass. I actually called grass lettuce until I was about five years old. And that can really, (laughs) that says a lot about where I'm from. (laughs) That's a true, like New York kid statement right there. I love that. So did you stay in the city for college? Where did you go to college and what did you study? I ended up in D.C., in Washington, D.C. I was a journalism major at the George Washington University School of Media and Public Affairs. And it just got to this place where my family was like, this is the one time in your life to kind of get out of New York, try something new and not be married to a city. You should be excited about the school. Um, And so I toured DC and I toured GW and I remember telling my mom immediately that this is where I knew I wanted to go to college. And she was laughing because I did the same exact thing apparently when I was interviewing at private girls schools back when I was five, I knew that Hewitt was where I wanted to go then. But she was a little less confident in the GW realm because she was like, you know, this school, it's really been known to gear towards like you see a lot of men going at my day. There really weren't as many women. Now there's it's totally opposite. My brother's there and it's like all girls, which he's happy about. Um, (laughs) but I loved GW from the moment I walked in and that's really where I was able to kind of get my foundation in journalism and to be a good journalist, you have to be able to write and talk about everything. So it was nice to kind of focus a little bit more on politics back then and then get out of it just in time when I graduated (laughs) from school. That's really cool that you had such a strong foundation in journalism, Mm -hmm. like from the get go. And I have a friend that went to GW and she absolutely adored it. So I've heard nothing but great things about that. One place. Yeah. So when you got out of school, I mean, you're so many things now. You're such a multi-hyphenate, which we love talking to multi-hyphenate women on this podcast. I mean, you founded a magazine, you're an author, you're a host, you're a writer, you're so many things. So what kind of came first right after college? 
definitely the writing. The writing actually came before college. I had taken a summer course at Harvard when I was a junior in high school. And the two classes that I selected at random were journalism classes. And you had to start a blog as part of these courses. And so I started this blog called Style Solutions. And once I uh, got to college, I continued it. I had internships all throughout. I was working in the editorial department for Rachel Zoe for her website, The Zoe Report. I worked on the publishing side at Oprah Magazine for a bit, and then being at the Daily Front Row, which is the Fashion Week magazine. I started off as an intern there and then became an editor upon graduating college. Writing was always the first form of media that I really got into. Writing is your base. That is so cool. I think especially nowadays when everyone's just in front of the camera with their phone Mm -hmm. and putting out quick video, I really love that your base, that your first kind of foray into this is writing. That's really cool. And I'm sure we'll get into it, but now I'm at this full circle moment where even jumping across so many different forms of media, I'm sort of right back to where I started in a different capacity. But Mm -hmm. the one thing that that never goes out of style is writing. Well, and you have a book that you wrote, um, Aim High. And can you, I was looking it up a little bit and looking into it. And I was like, I need to order this book. This sounds like a book for me. Can you tell our listeners what, what it's about? What inspired you to write it? Yeah. So it's called Aim High, How to Style Your Life and Achieve Your Goals. And I wrote this book really at the height of when I was appearing on television nearly every day. I was getting messages from women, mainly all across the country. And they were like, we love your fashion segments on the Today Show and E, but these segments at most were around five minutes. And so people definitely wanted that extra, you know, information that went beyond those segments. And a book was the perfect place to be able to do that. So um, the book is really about how to bring out your confidence from within. I always say, like, doesn't matter what you wear, doesn't matter, you know, where you're going, what, you know, problems you might be having in your life. The one thing that you can always go back to is finding that inner confidence. And it's really for the person who's on their journey. I feel like most people think that when you're writing a book or you're reading the book that someone's written of a personality or figure, it's when they're sort of at the end of their career. They're saying, I made it. I did it. My book is really for the person who's on their journey. And I hope that people can take away a lot of the lessons that I've written in there because there are many. Yes, the process. And I love Mm -hmm. how you distinguish that of like, I'm not fully formed and saying this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. It's about the process and the journey for all of it. Did you already have sort of everything in place in order from having all this experience doing the Today Show and having these segments? Did you already know exactly what you wanted in the book or did you discover anything as you were writing it? that you wanted to add in? Yeah. So initially I had come up with a totally different concept of a book, uh, more focused actually on the beauty realm of things. Cause at that point I had, you know, just a couple of years out of college, I gained all this weight in school. My hair was falling out. I was just not in really a healthy phase of my life. And so I thought this was going to be the book. And when I was shopping my proposal around to different book publishers and agents, the one book publisher who I met with kind of challenged me. They're like, this is such a good book, but this feels like it could be your second book. What about doing a first book that focuses more on XYZ, which ended up being a lot of the inspiration behind Aim High. So yes, the content ended up coming very quickly because Aim High was just so much part of and based on my life. Um, But it wasn't the original idea, but I'm a quick writer and I'm a quick learner. So we were able to get things together within just about a little over a year. Um, and it came wow. out. That's like, quick. Like, yeah. Well, it, it feels like it sounds quick, but it felt long given when you're I'm sure. for your job. Like I can write sure. so quickly every day, but there's so much more that goes into it. And it came out right at the beginning kind of of COVID. So that was obviously a whole different mm-hmm. ball game. <laughs> oh, right, right, yeah. right, right. You're not like, I have, you know, come see me and I'll sign your book at the bookstore. <laughs> You know, it was like, come that. Zoom me. And that's what yeah. I ended up doing. It was tons of Zooms, tons of Instagram lives. I mean, the virtual parties were at an all-time high. And I hope to never have to do that again. This is as virtual exactly. as I want to get. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Exactly. Yeah. We feel the same way. Okay, wait. I'm interested in going back to something you said about leaving college, not feeling healthy, hair falling out. How did you make that shift? Like, what were some things that you did to get back on track? Oh my gosh. Um, I did so many things. I, first of all, the reason why I felt like I got to such a unhealthy place was because I was used to being spoiled by my mom 
for my entire life, someone who cooked every day, who put food on, you know, my plate, who I, I wasn't making these honestly adult decisions. Um, and so it was the first time being in college that I really had to kind of think for myself in that capacity, like how bleaching your hair every month could actually make it come out. If you wear too much makeup, your skin's going to get pimply, like all these things that I just was so oblivious to in a sense and thinking that, yeah, if you ate six cupcakes in a day, you'd be fine. I was not fine. But like, don't you feel like that's a lot of people going from their teens yeah. to college? I mean, it's the first time that, totally. you know, you're on your own. So I feel like that's really relatable. But it still traumatizes me to this day when I once in maybe three months have a cupcake and not because I'm depriving myself, just because I have like issues looking at cupcakes. I had one last <laughs> night, actually. I still get the ick and my fiance laughs at me. He's like, you're like weirded out by that cupcake, aren't you? And like, as a dessert person, it's the one thing where I can still look at it and be like, oh my God, you and I had a really bad relationship. toxic relationships with cupcakes but I feel like whatever you ate too much of in college for all of us I yeah yeah yeah. oh my god I mean I exactly but when you asked me about how I got back into it I hired a trainer this trainer is still with me today almost eight years later um I stopped coloring my hair for months and went to people who were more about the integrity of my hair versus just you know the view and look of it And I just started taking more time for me. And it took a long time. It took about like three years to get back to where I was. But and now I'm even healthier and more fit than I ever was even then. But you're right. Women go through a lot of change and not just when they're transitioning from being a teen to an adult. Pregnancies, you know, relationships, it can change all the time. And do you find, is there any sort of pressure because you are on camera a lot? You're in front of a lot of people. Is there a pressure to sort of maintain that? healthy lifestyle and the look and all of that stuff? Definitely. I mean, there was a period of time when I was trying to get on a show and my then manager, agent type person, she was like, well, why don't you get a nose job? You know, there's <gasps> always these little comments that were definitely, you know, put at people in my position who are just in front of the camera all the time. And they expect that, you know, it's just part of the lingo, that it's part of the business. You have to develop thick skin. But I luckily never had to deal with any confidence issues. Like all of that stuff just never got to me. I just did sort of take it as this is the industry, like get on with it or not. Doesn't make it right. But there's definitely, you know, a sense of pressure. It's still a visually in some ways vain business, whether I always wants to admit it or not. Baffles me, especially with like news programs about these people who are journalists, you're a journalist, you know, you've got such an amazing education and so much to say, and you're so bright and smart and that there's so much focus on the appearance and the looks, um, that, you know, can really hinder a lot of people's well, careers. Tina sees a lot of this firsthand. She does all the makeup for all the gals on Bloomberg, um, Bloomberg News. Yes, so she, Bloomberg News, I know. she's in the trenches. She's with them. I'm she's like, you're with so them. smart. And we have yeah. to spend so much time, you know, doing your hair and makeup to look a certain way. And it just, it, surprising to me. Yeah. Um, the real thing. How did you transition from, you know, the, the writing pen to paper to getting on camera? How did, how did you get in front of the camera? I honestly just started really kind of getting calls to go on to shows because they knew me from my bylines writing for the daily front row. Um, and just being known for being on the red carpet, interviewing these celebrities. And I think you see a lot on shows or networks like Bloomberg, CNN, all the news networks that like a lot of the experts that come on originally come from a different form of print or digital media, like their bylines are known and they come on to talk about it. And that's what happened with me. And I ended up finding, you know, a great group at the time to help me and really just sort of brand me as an on-air expert. and. I started going on local shows and then from there national and then also traveling to other local shows outside of the New York market because I knew that if I wanted to be known beyond just the New York LA area, I needed to also get like the middle of the country to know who I was. And I was really traveling, you know, nearly every other week and living out of a suitcase. Um, It was an exhausting time, but the best time and definitely, you know, necessary for doing what I wanted to do at that point. There are over 90,000 people missing at any time, and over half a million are reported missing every year. And that's just in the United States. 
I'm Mike Morford. And I'm Jess Betancourt. And in our podcast, Missing Persons, we discuss cases of people who have gone missing under mysterious circumstances. And we're joined in each episode by guests who are either related to the missing person, investigating their disappearance, or advocating for answers in the case. Missing Persons is available everywhere you listen to podcasts. And there are dozens of episodes to binge on right now. Subscribe today so you don't miss an episode. We are supported by Ombre Lab. Are you struggling with bloating, moodiness, constipation, weight gain, or acne, and you just can't figure out why? Well, the answer could literally be in your gut. Your gut contains trillions of bacteria, both good and bad. And when your body doesn't have enough good bacteria, the bad bacteria flourishes. And when this happens, it can cause all kinds of symptoms. Ombre Lab makes it really easy to check on your gut health by offering an at-home test that can measure your bacteria levels. The test will ship right to your door with easy-to-follow instructions, and then when you get your results, they'll give you a detailed breakdown of your gut bacteria, let you know what foods to eat more or less of, plus send you personalized probiotics to heal your gut with a subscription. I did this at-home test. It could not have been easier. So if you want to start feeling better, visit ombrelab.com and enter code OBSESSED at checkout for $30 off your first at-home test. That's ombrelab.com with code OBSESSED at checkout for $30 off your first test. For more information, just scroll down to the bottom of the show notes for this episode. Thank you to Ombre Lab for sponsoring this podcast. So guys, Tina and I love therapy. We have weekly FaceTime therapy sessions, and it's what gives us the tools to help us through all the things that come up in life, relationship, career issues, self-esteem building, learning boundaries, you name it. So BetterHelp offers easy, accessible, and affordable virtual therapy options. So first of all, finding a therapist can be really daunting. And with BetterHelp, you don't have to do any of the research because they will do that work for you and they'll match you with a therapist in under 48 hours. Second, it's incredibly convenient because you don't even have to leave your home. BetterHelp offers video, phone, and live chat sessions. It's honestly always a good time to invest in yourself and invest in your mental health. So Give BetterHelp a try and see for yourself why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp. We have a special offer just for our obsessed listeners. So for 10% off your first month of professional virtual therapy, just go to BetterHelp.com and enter code OBSESSED at checkout. That is BetterHelp.com with code Obsessed at checkout for 10% off your first month of virtual therapy. For more information, just scroll down to the bottom of the show notes for this episode. And thank you, BetterHelp, for sponsoring this podcast. Did you have to take any sort of on-camera class or have a coach or anything for those first few jobs when you were on? Like, did you have to do any of that? So I didn't have to do anything. When I was in high school, I took a broadcast course. When I was in college, it was part of my education. I took some different classes over the summer uh, to brush up on my skills. And then I did one media training session after I graduated. But no one can teach you how to be natural on camera. You could pay the best person ever and just do it. And it, it wouldn't do anything. Like for me, when I look at my clips, even today from three years ago to today, I'm just practicing constantly. And the more you practice, practice makes perfect. And that really does come down to on-air comfortability. Like you've just got to keep doing it. And then it becomes right. like talking mm -hmm. to your friends, not millions of people. Right. Yeah. So it wasn't totally fresh for you, but you feel like you really learned just by being in there and doing it. And your first few jobs, were you crazy nervous? Were you okay? Were there ever any mishaps? Like your first few times out? I think at the beginning, I never had a mishap. I've never once messed up. I've never once forgotten my lines. I've never once used teleprompter on any of my segments. That was, I think, the biggest uh, sort of learning curve for my fiance, like when we were dating initially, because I would do Zoom segments when we would travel and it would be the first time he saw me doing what I was doing because, you know, studios were not filming back then. So he would see me doing my segments. He's like, are you reading something? I'm like, no, what do you mean? And he's like, oh, you're not reading a teleprompter? I'm like, no, that's just me. And he's shocked. And I think a lot of people think that, that we're all reading prompter. And for me, I never am. So 
That is such a special skill. Well, and sometimes it's harder. It depends on... So Tina and I started in in theater and I once had a teleprompter job for a commercial and they wanted me to be on the teleprompter because they were constantly changing the script. Mm -hmm. And it's sometimes harder because you can't think ahead because you're going to lose your place reading. So it all depends on like how you start. But I know people who say, oh my gosh, when it's a teleprompter, I think easy peasy. I have a harder time memorizing. It's so wild how it all gets put together and how Mm -hmm. everyone feels so kind of differently. So do you, you kind of like plot everything out and you have a great memory and you go. Pretty much. And honestly, I just try to now, especially just be more, you know, organic and just kind of go with what I'm feeling in the moment. It's really just about sort of knowing your points. Like tomorrow, actually, I'm going on NBC to talk about the best dressed celebrities from tonight's Golden Globes. And I watch the show. I take notes of who everyone's wearing. And I learn sort of like the information. But then in terms of my opinions, that all just has to come out naturally. And it's not right. like you have a ton of prep time. You can't take a week to really think about it and go back and look at all the You have to show up tomorrow morning and and go. It's yeah. a quick turnaround for sure. Wow. Well, that's so exciting. That's really Break cool. legs tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. So you also are the founder and editor-in-chief, the whole shebang of a magazine, Spotlight Magazine. So I actually discovered it this past summer when I was in Sag Harbor, oh. picked up a copy, looked through it, and I adored it, just adored yeah. it. And I immediately, when I like something, I want to know who the woman is behind the brand, hence this podcast. This is like <laughs> the whole thing that we do. Um, and so I immediately looked you up and started following you. So it's such a cool magazine and so just well curated. And I would describe it, it's really like all killer, no filler. Like every page is something great and something new and something interesting and something that I wanted to read. So tell us all about how you started it. What was the inspiration? When did you start it? Yeah. Well, A, thank you. I'm glad to hear it's we've honestly had such a great response to the magazine. Like I really do see it that people are so excited and it's so cool to see someone like yourself be excited about print in an age where everyone's talking about TikTok and on Instagram. And it's so funny that as TikTok is really at its prime, like we're also hitting its prime. And, you know, because we're old school media at the end of the day, we're touch and feel, we're not on our phone. So it's just funny to see, but um, the Daily Front Row, where I worked, they had a summer spinoff called The Daily Summer. So I was really like their core person, um, really helping to run editorially that magazine. And I was doing all their stories and kind of the person on the ground out he's going to events for them. So I really, you know, got my foot wet in sort of like the editorial scene out in the Hamptons initially with them. For those who are listening, I might not know print is like huge out in the Hamptons. It's something that's been a trend out there in the media world forever. People love going and picking up the magazines. There are about six of us who are, I would say, are the main publications and they pick it up to see, you know, what's trending, what's happening that weekend. And it really just works. Um, And so after, you know, being on TV and in the midst of that, I always kind of kept my writing on the side going. I was a contributing editor for Hamptons Magazine for years. I then took over another smaller publication and actually helped not only to revamp them editorially, but also to help bring in advertisements and advertisers. And so after working for these three out of the six essentially main magazines, well, five, excluding Spotlight, I've just said, why am I doing this for everybody else? I can bring in the money. I can make the content. (laughs) I was really at a point where I was just sort of sick of sort of this culture and media where like the people who I talk to who are students are just trying to get a job. You know, the people who are older than me, they're just sort of in a rut. They don't feel like there's anywhere to go and grow within media companies. So I'm like, what's going to happen if I don't start something of my own? I'm really going to just be at the arms of other people. And that's really not how, you know, you can on frankly, A, make a lot of money, have a long standing longevity in the business. Like you have to do something on your own. You cannot just work for somebody else. And so that's when I was like, this is it. Spotlight it is. I've always felt there was a void in the marketplace and magazine to target the next generation, a little younger, kind of like your, you know, demo that you guys target for your podcast, that millennial, really hungry, excited about life and loves fashion and culture and just everything that's trending right now. And it is the most rewarding thing that I have ever done. I say like, I love TV, so excited to go on air tomorrow. And it's always going to be part of my life. But 
my goals really shifted. I think once I turned like 26 and I'm now, you know, almost 29, you, it, it, things change. It's no longer just about chasing the dream, but it's about how can I become a really strong businesswoman? And that's what launching Spotlight did. And I love every second of it. It is so rewarding. I love the magazine so much. I think I still, I'm going to show it to you in person. I've been sending Tina. Yes. I I remember when she first (laughs) discovered you, she sent me the the screenshot and she was like, we have to have her on the podcast. Look at this magazine. It's so cool. It's it's so great. So Tina and I get really excited to pick our guests. We're like, okay, we have this criteria of like, who's exciting to us? Mm -hmm. Who's really an inspirational woman? Who's out there doing cool, cool things? So I assume it's a little similar for you picking who's on the cover of your magazine. So how do you pick your cover, gals or guys, and what's kind of your criteria for that? My criteria is that these people have to actually be a part of the communities in which we're printing the magazine. So Hamptons, Miami, Palm Beach, not to you know go against my competitors, but they a lot of them tend to put on celebrities who have no relevance to the communities especially in a place like Palm Beach, no one cares there for sure how famous you are. It's not about that. It's about who they actually know. Hamptons is like that too, but Palm Beach is even worse. Um, And so I really wanted to put people who I felt were not only, you know, not just attractive and famous, but people who like are actually doing things, who have an entrepreneurial spirit and actually are a good influence to people and are doing good. And every one of our cover stars you know, especially the summer, we're like that, like Batsheva, you know, part of my unorthodox life. I mean, she truly, they kind of like changed the game of reality TV for the first uh, time in so long. I think that is the best reality show. I still haven't watched it. TV. I need to watch it. You have to it watch is it. Yeah. Unbelievable. It's so enlightening. I felt like I learned so much about culture. I mean, it's unbelievable. And I love Batsheva. I think she's great. Agreed. Bethany, you know, just being such a strong businesswoman, Stephanie Gottlieb with her jewelry empire, and then Isaac Booth's just really like being such a voice of positivity for so many people who couldn't go to the gym all throughout COVID and then mm-hmm. launching these in-person classes to raise money for No Kid Hungry out in the Hamptons. Then we went to Miami with Food God. You know, he obviously is just a huge celebrity, but he really touches the next generation through talking about food on his TikTok. And he lives in Miami. And then Palm Beach, our most recent cover star, is the number one female millennial real estate agent there. And she's such a huge part of it. So everyone really speaks to our readers. And that's something that I will never change. There has to be that organic, authentic connection to the markets that we're in. I love that. That makes so much yeah. sense that they're actually connected in a community. They have a place there. They're in, they're involved. That mm-hmm. makes mm-hmm. so much sense. Yeah. Um, okay. So I heard you mention a little bit your fiance. You have a fiance? I have a fiance. Okay. So congratulations. I, uh, yes. Congratulations. I, I'm the resident single gal um, of the podcast. And I am so curious. How did you meet? Can you tell us the story? What's the deal? We met on Bumble. Uh, <gasps> 2021 in March, two years ago, I was living out in the Hamptons with my mom. I came home for the city one time in a year and that's when him and I matched. Um, I was, this gives me so much hope. Oh, well, this is the thing. And like, I'll tell you what I tell all of my girlfriends. Like they're like, we hate the apps. We hate the apps. I'm like, you don't hate the apps. You hate the guys on the apps. Like the apps is just a pool. It's like the same thing. If you went to the same bar every weekend in a small town, like you don't hate the bar. You just hate who's there. So right. <laughs> you have to keep going, you know? Like, yeah. I was really afraid of dating at that point. I'm like, you know, guys, typically in New York, they could be dating up to 10 girls at a time. I don't want sloppy seconds, thirds or fourths during a pandemic, especially when I'm living with my mom, who's a little mm-hmm. older and I was being very cautious for her. And so I made my now fiance walk in the park with me for about two to three months. That's all we did was take walking in the park dates. And at the first date, I even made him wear a mask outside. Like it was kind of early. He felt it was early, but it was still the first year of COVID and I was nervous. Um, And so we really, like, I liked him though. Like the moment I met him, I was like, I just sort of felt different on, even on Bumble, Mm -hmm. like our texts were so different than with anybody else I'd ever matched with. Um, And so it was just, the timing was just really rough. My fiance is a founder himself. He was building this company. I was not really in the city. I was just coming back to see him and it was really complicated. And we just got to this place where he was like, 
now's not the time you're not here. Like I'm building, like if, you know, you are, you know, still interested and available when like, I know that I can do this and you're more in a place to do this, you know, I'll call you. And if you weren't ready and you're not ready for me, that it wasn't meant to be. And I'm like, this guy must be so full of, you know what? I'm like, OS, <laughs> probably a player has to be another yeah. girl, this whole thing. We always kind of kept in touch and saw each other throughout the next six months. And then I was in Florida with my family. I moved out there for the winter between like December and uh, February of last year. And it was on calling me, text or texting me, excuse me. And really just like, I could tell was, was ready. And I was like, maybe I should be ready too. Maybe I should stop quarantining with my family after two years. Maybe I should just go, you know, to my apartment and live my life. And I flew back home and we've been together ever since we've been maybe apart for a total of six days since then. Wow. So it really is like when you know, you know, kind of thing. I really think so. So inspiring because I, I'm, I love, you know, we've gone through all of your accomplishments, accomplishments, you're confident, you're gorgeous, you're successful, you're smart. I think that is very, can be very intimidating. And I hate using that word because I get that all the time. Well, you're, people are just intimidated by you. And it's like, well, that doesn't feel very good to, you know, to hear that as like a negative thing. But what do you think it was that, um, I don't want to, I, I, I want to be careful how I word this, but like, what do you think it was that allowed you to be in a place to like your partner and for him to be attracted to you that wasn't intimidating or yeah. no, it's standoffish? A, it's a really valid point. And we still talk about it a bit to this day, you know, just seeing some of my girlfriends and, you know, my first cousin who I'm super close with going through dating. And like, everyone says it, like the guys must've been super intimidated by you. It's true. They all were, they really all were before this man. I think a few things. Like me, actually, I was raised by my mom who's single. My fiance, I can just say his name, Nick. Um, he was as well. He's with two sisters. His dad passed away young. He's, you know, very much the guy of the family. That's the same, you know, similar dynamic to me where I have my one brother and it's me and my mom. My my dad's wow. around, but mm-hmm. that's who, you know, we grew up with. And I think that's one of the biggest similarities. It's also my brother and I have a 10-year age difference. So does Nick with one of his sisters. There's a lot of these similarities where, you know, it's just aligned Um, and they're unique, you know, life sort of moments to have siblings with that big of an age difference, have single moms. It's, it's a different upbringing for sure. Um, Like me, he, you know, has put all of his sort of effort into his career. So he wasn't intimidated by me kind of being a self-starter and I don't know. I think he just saw a lot of me in him, you know, someone mm-hmm. who's hungry and excited about life. And, um, also like painfully honest, like even during those moments where he said things that I didn't like during kind of the first time we started going out, like I was really honest about it. And I don't think a lot of people, I, I know he's told me people haven't put him in his place and I did, and I wasn't afraid to do that with him. Um, yeah, I think those are really sort of the main reasons. And honestly, we just had like such an initial first kind of like connection. There was just chemistry. And I think some of that, like the stars just kind of aligned. And I had some really not so great dating experiences before him. So I understand why so many women, they lose hope. But like you really can't because I'm so thankful that it didn't work out with any of the others. Like, right. God. Exactly. That's how I feel. I did so much dating and met my husband. We've been married for three years. And I thought, I think I thought I was going to get married twice. And, you know, I was in like two really serious long-term relationships. Thank God. Thank God those came to a, a, you know, sad end because I wouldn't have met my husband. It's the same. But it's really interesting because it sounds like your values and kind of the way you were raised, the two of you kind of really lines up, which is is a really good Mm -hmm foundation. Do you have any advice for single ladies who are online dating and who like Tina are so over it and so burnt out? I think it's okay to be over it for a period of time, but don't be so over it that you've lost hope because everyone is at a different place in life. And I really do believe that when it's meant to be, it will just be. And like nothing can really break through that. And keep swiping, you know, like people always ask me like, where should I go? Like, I don't know where to go. Like I never went 
to places with the intention of meeting someone. I just lived my life. And I do think online dating is good. I think, you know, like my parents' generation, they didn't necessarily understand it at first, but you know, that's okay. Like, it's not about how you meet the person, where you meet the person. It's just about finding your person. And you do have to be in a place where you're happy with yourself. Like when I really, like we got serious, I was at the best place. My career felt totally set. I had, you know, my apartment set, my happiness set, you know, men can read our energy when we're not Mm -hmm. totally together and they don't, you know, need or want that like extra stuff sometimes, unless they're so crazy about you. And that's understandable. Like you only have room for so much in your life. And if someone tells you that it's not great timing, you can believe them because life is hard and not everyone has the ability to juggle so many things. Because when you do commit to a person, like, as you know, that's it. You're in it for everything, the good, the bad, the amazing, the ugly. And that takes. Oh yeah. (laughs) It's a lot. I mean, Tina and I talk about this a lot, but I got married and like two months later it was quarantine. Yeah. (laughs) So Yeah, it was like, it was completely wild. wild. Yeah. And Um, just to tell people too, like I never had a serious boyfriend before my fiance. And I always knew that was going to be my life path. I would never mm -hmm. introduce my family to multiple people. I was like, there's going to be maybe two guys at most. And that's what happened. Wow. That's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. We're so happy for you. Yes. Thank you. So we've recently learned just how many toxic ingredients are in our nail polish, but I love doing my nails. I'm sure you love doing your nails, which is why we love K Ferrara Color because it's a luxurious nail polish and hand cream line that uses all clean formulas. You know I love that hand cream. I'm obsessed with it. After I've had a long day of sanitizing my hands and working with makeup and doing all that, my hands are so dry and I love the hand cream treatment, it is a lifesaver for dry, cracked hands. k for Color offers gorgeous colors, plus base coat, top coat, and quick dry options, which I've used so many times when I've got to get out the door. The other thing I love is k for Color has a children's line, which has been a gift for my nieces many, many times. So if you are a person that just loves to get your nails done at the salon, you can bring it with you. You can bring your K Ferrara color with you to the salon. And if you're a person that likes to get a gel mani, you can use K Ferrara color on your pedicure or it really makes an amazing gift for anyone in your life of literally any age who appreciates clean beauty and clean formulas. For 15% off your order, go to kferraracolor.com and use code OBSESSED15 at checkout. That's kferraracolor.com with code OBSESSED, the number 15, at checkout for 15% off your nail polish or hand cream. For more information, just scroll down to the bottom of the show notes for this episode. We've all seen the headlines in the news of how someone lost their life in an act of cold-blooded murder. And while it sad and grabs your attention, most people go on with their day without giving it another thought. But have you ever stopped to think about the life of the person at the center of the news story? They were more than just a headline or a statistic. They were someone's loved one or friend. I'm Mike Morford, and my podcast, The Murder of My Family, dives into some of those stories to help listeners get to know the person who was lost and how their death affected those closest to them. Listen to The Murder of My Family everywhere you listen to podcasts. There are well over 100 episodes to binge on now. So as you probably know, two of my biggest passions are clean beauty and supporting female-founded brands, which is why when it comes to makeup and skincare, Beauty Counter has been one of my favorite go-to brands for years. Their makeup looks incredible and their skincare really and truly works. Plus, they use non-toxic ingredients and are environmental working group certified. The two beauty products I absolutely can't live without are their vitamin C serum and the Dew Skin Tinted Moisturizer. I use both of these products every single day and I never travel without them. We don't have to be putting toxic chemicals all over our skin anymore because there is a better option. So, if you'd like to shop some clean beauty with Obsessed with the Best, go to beautycounter.com obsessed and then enter code CLEANFORALL20 at checkout for 20% off your first purchase. That's beautycounter.com slash obsessed and code clean for all 20 at checkout. Or just scroll down to the show notes for this episode for more details. So I want to get some recommendations. Mm -hmm. Can you give recommendations for people either visiting or they just want to change things up? Top two current favorite restaurants in New York City. Top two current favorite restaurants in the Hamptons. Okay. 
it's so funny with New York. Like I, I keep saying that I'm so over everything. I'm actually excited. Dante in the West Village is taking me and Nick to dinner tomorrow night. So I'm really excited to try that. So if you've not been to Dante, it looks beautiful. I'm excited to go. I um, second that. It's, yes, it's, it's, it's a, I love Dante. It's love it. Yeah. Okay. I'm so not cool. See, like I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you are. But here's the thing. You're a true, like you have lived here your right. whole life. So I love this point of view. You yeah. know what I mean? It's different. Like I'm so Upper East Side when it comes to the food. I have to say that, you know, we just had actually an amazing dinner this weekend at Harry's, which is down in the financial district. It's a steakhouse. It is so gorgeous. The food, this is one of the best meals I've had in New York in a decade. Cool neighborhood, cool decor, great for double dating. We went on a double date this Saturday with my best friend from college and his um, girlfriend. Great spot. And also, I'm going to give you one more, even though you asked for two, because this is just Please. a New York classic that I love. Elio's on the Upper East Side, Wednesday's meatball night. You will not be disappointed. You're going to see Paul McCartney, really cool celebrities in the front. It is the best dinner hands down in the city. If you like Italian food. Oh my God. Yes. Sounds great. Yes. Yes. It sounds great. It's so funny. This is so interesting. I have not, I've spent the my least amount of time on the Upper East Side. Really? I've yeah. always been West. Well, I'm Midtown West now and I used to live real, I used to live in Washington Heights. I've lived all places like up and down the West Side and Tina too. Yeah. I've been always on so, the West Side. I love so this. Funny. I know. So you guys have okay. to go east. I yeah, know. we do. We need to Hidden venture gems. east more. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then, okay, top two Hamptons for someone oh, going no. to the Hamptons. Oh. The I have to say, you know, I'm a Hamptons girl. It's not as easy for me to tell you because I think the restaurants really need to step it up. <gasps> oh. Um, <laughs> I really like the American Hotel in Sag Harbor. It's classic. I love their vegetable risotto. I think they do great bread. Like, I think it's classic, traditional. Like, actually really good. Listen, Biblo K is really fun. I'm a Biblo K girl for life. That location is it the best one. It's not. But if you're looking for a beautiful view, a good time. It's just people, so pretty to sit by that water. It is. But, like, I'm telling you. Oh, I'll tell you where to go. Bistro Ete in Watermill is absolutely delicious. The chef is uh, incredible. He and his wife own the restaurant. They always have such a wide variety of food. The menu is so extensive from like escargot to truffle, pasta, um, to amazing fish. They do incredible desserts. Everything they make is homemade and from scratch. Like that's the restaurant that I would say is probably the best in the Hamptons. And okay. because they like put a lot of effort into it. And I think the restaurants out East, they really need some help. And the food quality is just not like the produce that you can buy in the Hamptons is incredible. Farm stands, supermarkets, the whole thing. I don't know why the restaurants have a hard time. Well, I do know why, because they're seasonal and they're trying to appeal to hundreds of people in a short period of time or thousands of people, actually, you know, if you're calculating all the months together and it's hard to do, but the food's always been a little, it's been iffy, I, I would say, in the last several years. So I hope it gets better. Those are really good ones, though. Yeah. I mean, really good ones for people visiting or going for the first time. Yeah. Sorry. So, I'm not trying to be a downer on the food. Please. No. No. We love honesty here. But it's not real, And it's all. really expensive now. And I think they just need to get, like, the quality up with the pricing or else people are just going to stay home. Right. Yeah. I mean, yes, for sure. So did we see on Instagram that you started an earring line? I did. So with one of my advertisers, okay. Carado Place, we came out with a line of hoops. They sent me earrings all the time and lots of jewelry to post. And they sent me a pair of gold hoops that I fell in love with and started wearing every day. And I was just like, can we do this in every color? And they did. And they made it. And we, we sold them. We sold out. And they're making a whole new batch of them because we had so many requests. I love, I love your whole mentality of like, you see something that is not there and you're like, I, I'll, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to make it. The thing okay. that I want. I'm going to take that and make it better and expand on it. That's really, that really is my formula, to be honest. I love it. It's brilliant. Um, okay. So you're wearing all these different hats. You're doing all these amazing different jobs. Can you walk us through your typical, just a day, morning to night, walking through New York City? Every single day is different. I mean, today, to be honest, is the first day in maybe a year that I haven't actually left my home. I was just like, I'm done running around. I need to just be on my computer and get everything done that I need to, which I'll never probably do this again for a while. Um, <laughs> but no, it just depends. I mean, some mornings like tomorrow, I'm going to NBC in the morning. I have to be up early getting my hair and makeup done. I'm going to the network. I'm shooting a segment. Then I'd be off to a lunch meeting. 
um, you know, then the afternoon spent doing emails and writing articles for Spotlight, being on Zooms with brand prospects to advertise. And, you know, back in the day, it was an, it was a, an event every single night. Now, you know, there's not as much of that. I'm mm-hmm. doing some, like next week, there's a few, but it's not every single week like there used to be. Um, but it's either going out for dinner or I'm really trying to cook now for my fiance. We feel so much better this week. I feel like my skin's even, everything just feels like lighter and glowier because I'm mm-hmm. cooking and knowing what I'm putting in the food. Um, so that's nice. So it really is sort of like a 12 hour hustle and, you know, it never really stops. I'm so interested in what your call time is for a morning show. Yeah. Like what's your call oh, time depends. tomorrow for NBC? Tomorrow's, or, tomorrow's late. I'm sorry, because it's a late oh. show. The show's at 1130. So I don't have to be there. Oh, right. right. I'm thinking first thing in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Late. No, okay. Tonight. So for, for the today show, like what would that call time be? The earliest, I'll tell you the earliest call time that I've ever had was five in the morning for a show on Fox. And that was. Yeah. Right and early. If I go on Good Morning America, same thing, like very early. And I used to, like, when I was on a show in Chicago every other week, like that was very similar. I had to be there like at 6.30 in hair and makeup, Oof. ready to go. God. Yeah. So Those were the days where I wasn't sleeping. Now I sleep. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> of course not. <laughs> yeah. So if you do have a hair and makeup ready early call time morning show situation, what is your morning routine? Like how are you getting yourself awake and your body and your mind awake that early? What are some things you do? Not well, I am not a morning person. <laughs> I really don't do you anything. And me both. Yeah. I really don't do anything, which is the problem. I don't drink caffeine. I never have. Um, I really just try to blast some electronic <laughs> music and my makeup artist, thank God, who I use all the time. I've known her for seven years and she just gets me and she's really like calming energy. So being around her is really nice. And I I really just do what I have to do and try not to think about it and just think about what I'm going to eat when I'm done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you and I are very similar. It's like, I'm just going to show up and plow through and then Figure it out. Go, yeah, yeah. Figure it out on the fly. Yeah. See, I feel like I look asleep if I don't do like a little workout and have a little coffee. Like I feel like my face just looks so asleep. You know, I just I they put so many fake lashes on me that it's just, right that it's like your eyes are just gonna be open whether they're open yeah, or not. Exactly. exactly. Pretty much. Yeah. So you're doing so many things. You have so many kind of things on the fire. What is next for you? What are you looking forward to? What are some goals and dreams that yeah. you have? It's really right now all about spotlight. Uh, You know, I didn't think that we were going to be in three different cities this year. We did. Uh, I really right now am focusing on summer 2023 and really getting that together and coming up with who our cover stars are going to be and, you know, our next rounds of brands who we're going to partner with. Like we're really in the trenches right now of getting summer together. My goal is to start being able to prepare to launch in a new city for 2024. You know, I said this last year, referring to the next year. And I, like I said, I ended up doing it all within one year. So you never know, they're going to end up being a new location this year. But, but really, I just want to be able to expand spotlight in other markets. I want this summer to make the magazine a little bit bigger. People love it because it is smaller and the ads stand out and they feel like there really is content. So I never want to take that experience away from our readers, but a little thicker, um, will be great. And I just want to keep doing what I'm doing. I feel like I used to get so excited about kind of like you said, like what the next hat is. And right now I feel really comfortable in this hat. And I really like yeah. the balance of doing spotlight and going on TV when I want to, um, and really just building this as a media empire That's- to be. Right. And that's you're so killing cool. it because you love everything you're doing at this yeah. point. So it's just more of what you're already doing. And I love that you're going to focus on Spotlight. My dream is that magazines never go away. Oh, I, mean, I know. I was trying to explain to my husband's little cousin what magazines were <laughs> to us when we were young. And I said, like, you have to understand in middle school, you know, there was no Instagram. Mm-mm. So that's what I was looking. I was looking through magazines and I was making collages. Right. And, you know, that's what yep. we that's what we did. And I just, I love a magazine. I love seeing one and holding it. I love the physical copy. I just, so I'm really happy to hear that. And oh, I'm yeah. just so proud of what you've accomplished. It's so cool. Thank you. Yeah. One of my really missions is. is definitely to make sure that print never dies. And just because it, dying or has died or whatever, everyone has a different perspective about it nationally doesn't mean that it's going to in luxury markets. So 
Yeah. We got to keep it keep it alive. Good for you. Um, Sydney, before we let you go, we've got some kind of rapid fire questions okay. for you. Um, who's a woman that's currently inspiring you right now, either on Instagram or in your life? Uh, in my life, my mom and on Instagram, I really like acquired style. I think she's super cute and has good style. And she actually is who influenced me to get my green AirPod Maxes. And I just think she's like an easy, cute follow. Great. Wow. I haven't followed her. I need to look her up. Yeah. Is there a beauty product that you're obsessed with? You can't live without something you're loving right now. It is the Smashbox Tinted Moisturizer. I have two shades, my pale shade for like right now, and then my very tan shade when I get spray tan, which will be happening tonight. Nice. <laughs> Shoot. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, we got to get you out of here. No, yeah, yeah. Fine. Oh my God. <laughs> um, what's the best advice you've ever gotten? Just to be myself. Yeah. It paid off. It worked. Yeah. <laughs> it's re- Yeah, it's really working for you. Do you have a favorite book or TV show right now or both? I love La Brea on NBC and Peacock. My fiance is like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen you be interested in because it's all very like supernatural and like animals. And do you know what it's about? No, No. I've only seen previews and I didn't get what was going on. The shortest (laughs) version is that there's a sinkhole under La Brea in Los Angeles and there's a whole medieval world underneath that takes place. (laughs) And like these people who fell in the sinkhole are trying to get out of it. And I don't know why I love it. I had to watch it last year when I was... (laughs) interviewing some of the stars for uh for an NBC interview I was doing and I'm obsessed with it and I think it's so good so he thinks it's terrible but I love it so it's fine this Great. sounds kind of fascinating Great. I'm interested it's in really it. good I love it okay Sydney where can we find you and follow you where can we get your book where can we get the magazine tell us all the things you can follow me at Sydney Sadik on Instagram spotlight is also on Instagram at spotlight x magazine spotlighthamptons.com is where you can read the magazine digitally. And then we're all over Palm Beach right now. And then we'll be back in the Hamptons starting Memorial Day. And uh, my book is on Amazon and in Barnes & Noble. Well, we can't wait. Good luck on NBC tomorrow. Good luck with everything. Thank you so much for spending an hour with us. We've been so excited to chat with you. Thanks for having me. Don't forget to follow, rate, and review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And for more content, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and give us a follow at Obsessed with the Best Pod on Instagram and TikTok. Hosted on dimlywit.com.